Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I want to welcome on Bleacher Reports' uh, Jake Fisher, also the author of a book that I very much uh, enjoyed, Built to Lose. Uh, has his own show uh, on call-in as well and of course we're talking right after you dropped your latest piece which had the usual number of i don't know is that a bombshell maybe maybe i don't know what term you you want to use uh to for some interesting stuff but really enjoyed that as always how you doing man thank you man i'm doing well uh, i appreciate the, the kind intro and hope you're doing well too how are things with the baby oh man uh well I haven't seen as much of her as I wanted to. And then I blew our initial recording time this morning because I was with her. So, uh, yeah, a little frazzled. No but... that, was, that was not me taking a dig. I was genuinely asking how everything is having a child. Yeah, it's a little frazzled. We've had a, a lot of help, thankfully, uh, from my wife's family while I've been doing NBA playoff stuff. But now I'm uh, trying to dip my toes in a, a little bit more. Actually, maybe more like jump completely into the pool without checking the temperature whatsoever <laughs> um i want to start with something that you wrote about yesterday that's uh, been a subject of some discussion and that is the possible future of og Ananobi in toronto and you know i realized that the reporting was kind of it wasn't like oh he's demanding a trade it's more just that hey you know this could be a, a possible trade candidate here can you just kind of mm-hmm. summarize what you've heard uh, on that because i think he's a player who would garner substantial interest given that every good team is looking for someone like him i would agree with that as well although i will say there was one team or a person from a a team that i spoke to yesterday after all this aftermath who said you know he he said to me like why are you just assuming that og Anubi?" has like so much greater trade value than what the Pistons are asking for Jeremy Grant, which also, you know, the Pistons are only asking for that, right? Like no one's met that price yet. He's still right. a Piston. So we'll see if yeah. they'll ever get there. And that price um, just to reiterate is basically two substantial assets, either a, a first or a, a first and a, a good young player, essentially. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think the general benchmark is what Aaron Gordon got for Orlando last year and that i mean who's to say what the value with um rj hampton gary harris and a 2025 first is going to be right um but that's kind of the general mold of a, a rookie scale player which you know the magic really were said to be high on rj hampton in that draft where they took cole anthony instead at 15 so they got their second choice it sounds like who knows what the 2025 pick will bring gary harris has been valuable for them in certain aspects um but to bring it back to og you know, this guy was asking me, you know, why do I assume that? Like, that's something my sense. Like, a lot of the people, a lot, most of the people I've talked to in the league have suggested that OG would command a pretty good haul, which, you know, it's more interesting on the Portland side of things, which to bring this back to like why I wrote the story and, and the reporting about it, like the fact that I'm pretty aware from my 
conversations that Portland definitely is targeting OG. Um, you know, he's definitely said to be someone that, that Lillard wants to pair with um, and that Utah has had conversations. I think they've even had conversations with Toronto. I don't, I don't want to say there's been offers made, but, you know, because right now most of these teams are in super early conversations. And the only team I hear about that's like ready to talk trade right now is Atlanta. Um, so the fact that Portland and Utah are at least exploring these avenues, and I've been hearing since March that OG Ananobi has been dissatisfied with his role in Toronto. And I'm, I mean, there's a lot of guys dissatisfied with their roles in Toronto. Like, so I, I understand why people could be seeing this as like blowing it up and he hasn't had a trade request yet. And I know the the title was a, a you know, a bit of on the sensational side, which like, look, it was asking a question, does he want out of Toronto, which is a question that a lot of people around the NBA are asking right now. So all that being said, I, I do definitely think there's definitive truth that, you know, he wants more opportunity. That, that's the one thing that's been repeated across the board from everyone I've talked to, from people within his representation to coaches who've worked with him in the past, um, to general people in the league who would know, let's say. And that's the one word that everyone consistently agrees on, that he wants more opportunity. And it doesn't seem like a clear path to having that in Toronto. There are other teams that are looking into him. It seems like there's some juice there, more so than other situations, just like there's definitely more juice to a potential John Collins trade than there is to most other players in the league. Same thing with Jeremy Grant. Yeah, so OG actually had the highest usage percentage of his career. First year that he was above average a season ago, 20.5 usage. Now, Toronto had a, a bunch of injuries throughout the year, and it's clear he is a, I don't want to say distant fourth in the pecking order behind Barnes, Van Vliet, and Siakam. But particularly with the reemergence of Siakam at an all-NBA level last year, it doesn't seem like he's necessarily going to blossom. And a player of his ilk, you're probably capped. I think he's one of the best three and deep type players in the NBA. And, you know, someone like Mikhail Bridges gets a lot of shine. Andrew Wiggins now, like, I think he's right up there with any of those guys. But if you're really going to get paid in this league, you need to move beyond the level you know be like a 20 point score and also have those yes. skills and we've seen jeremy grant had a, a similar focus and i think he's you know that's kind of worked out for him in detroit we'll see what his next destination is going to be so it, it doesn't it, it doesn't like not make sense to me that he would feel that way now is he actually capable of taking on that next role like his efficiency was down pretty substantially last year he's never gotten to the foul line really he's uh not particularly known for his passing, shall we say, but we've seen guys have late career skill development and he's only you know going into his age 25 season and he has two years left on his deal. So that it all does make a little bit of sense to me. What doesn't make as much sense to me is just like with Jeremy Grant, good teams that are going to give up assets for someone like him. They're going to do it to have him come in and play this role that nobody else can really play. There's like 10 guys in the league who are as good as him from a 3D standpoint. And so the market for him to come in and be this like, all right, we're bringing you in as our second scorer. That seems like maybe that's not going to exist as much. But so if that's his attitude, you know, maybe that does kind of change his value a little bit as we has been the case kind of with Grant. Yeah, and to be clear, like, I mean, there hasn't been a trade request, like I've said, and also the Raptors are not shopping him. I never said either of those things, yeah. but there is, I mean, the Raptors are definitely engaging with teams to the point where back at the deadline, they were saying these six guys are untouchable. And the six were, you know, everyone who's listening to your podcast probably knows, right? Um, it's in the article. <laughs> um, but 
you know, from that point, like to change to now, like he seems to be very available. He seems to have at least an interest in having more opportunity, which, you know, if that's the case and if another team is offering it and he views it as more than what's available in Toronto, I think his ears are going to open up. Um, but, you know, I also think that like, this is not a situation that like Jeremy Grant or Jalen Brunson or Portland trying to train for somebody or Atlanta or Rudy Gay in Utah, like, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to be writing about OG a lot upcoming, like until there's actual movement. Like I wanted to put it out there because it's definitely a piece on the chessboard, uh, an, an aspect of this current offseason economy um, that we're starting to, to that's starting to, to take shape here in terms of the trade market, how it's being impacted right now with the draft, which always foreshadows how things can unfold in free agency. So it just, I think it's an interesting data point and one that's going to be actually having a real factor on the marketplace. Um, but like, it's also, I don't think anything's close enough to happening where I'm not like on OG on a newbie watch. They're, they're going like, to have to, somebody would have to totally bowl Toronto over. And, and my, th- that's my feeling. Is that your feeling as well? Yeah. And I think, you know, as things get closer to free agency or as things get closer to the draft, which I mean, they're six days apart. I think I'll start, we'll start to hear more again about teams trying to see what is available for him. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, Messiah is known to be a very high, high fan of OG. He just said in his end of season press conference, right, that he'd love to have a team of 15 OGs and Pascals and Preciouses. So I think it would take a pretty big haul to get him. But, you know, when there's other pieces involved, being that Portland's in a situation where they're not just trying to rebuild, you know, like the Rockets were in position when they traded James Harden, like, but just get the best, biggest haul we can get. The, the, the rappers are looking to you know take a step forward here. So if there is a, a deal like a Rudy Gobert framework that comes on the table or a center that they've you know been looking at, you know they looked at Jared Allen like I wrote and the, the pace was bigs and they were talking to the Mavericks about Porzingis before that deal fell apart and they went you know to go get Thad Young. If there's something that they think makes them better and OG is the easiest path to get there. I think that's probably the more likely scenario rather than them just like selling him off. I, I don't think that's, I don't think that's even like, I don't think they're going to sell him off at all. Like, I, I don't think that's what, what we're dealing with here. Yeah. And to me, the inflection point for Toronto is going to be either this upcoming trade deadline or after next season. Like they made substantial progress. They've got Scotty Barnes now who they see as a future superstar and they want to build around, but you also have OG will be, have one year left at next summer. Fred Van Vliet will be a free agent. Siakam will have one year left. And so I think when you get to the point of like, all right, are we still you know, first round fodder? These guys didn't really get that much better. And let's just reorient our team around Scotty Barnes. And man, could we get some amazing stuff for Siakam, Van Vliet, and Ananobi. Oh, and Trent could be a free agent next summer also. Or are you like, wow, we just were really good. You know, we were top four seed in the East. We got to the second round. Let's retain this core just continue building like we think we can get into championship contention that way but i just to me it's too early to really cut bait on any of these guys because you're not gonna i mean maybe gobert would be the only one i could think of where you could trade og and get better now and i'm not even sure how great of a fit gobert is there either given their overall kind of lack of shooting so uh yeah yeah. anything else you want to add on him or, or should we talk a little uh no, I'm so tired of talking about this subject, man. But no, I yeah. knew we had to do it. So. Yeah. All right. Well, no, we're well good. sorry about that. So I asked you, J- John and I talked about uh, this a little bit yesterday. 
And I wanted to ask you, particularly because you're probably more tied in than, than either of us are at, at this point, of just who you see some of the most interesting players being this offseason, who's just going to generate the most activity, the most discussion, that are going to be the linchpins of this upcoming transaction period. So someone asked me this earlier this afternoon um, because I was talking about how we were both agreeing. I mean, the word overwhelmingly around the league, even with Rick Brunson being hired uh, to the next coaching staff, um, you know, people still are, are, are writing Jalen Brunson back to Dallas and Sharpie. I don't know if that's the true outcome, right? But like literally everyone in the league is saying that. Hmm. So if that if that's the case, you know, because they can give him more money and the state tax and the fact that he's, you know, the immaculate vibes guy, right? They just made the Western Conference Finals. Like he's going to leave that to go to a, a pretty big question mark of a situation in New York, right? I mean, the, the one thing that, as I wrote, like the one thing that New York's got over Dallas really in this situation is a starting role. So if that's really what Jalen wants, then like that's yeah. the big thing. Well, well he's going to start in Dallas, I think, still. I mean, he was starting the second. Well, we'll be, we'll be, we'll be in the starting point guard. You know, it's yeah. always going to be he, Luca's spot. Right. He, he'll get the most reps. But I mean, I think like in the playoffs, he, I think he had about all he really could have wanted as far as like freedom offensively. Exactly, but the way he he shined as that that pure lead ball handler against the Jazz when Luca was out yeah. is is what you know would theoretically be the only thing that New York could offer him that Dallas can't. Yeah. Um. So working under that assumption, the name, the biggest name that I'm prepared because I I also don't think Zach Levine is really going to leave Chicago. You know, even people around him have been saying all along like. Yeah, it's open. The door's open, but like we don't think he's gonna leave. So uh, that's my that's my understanding. Um, I think there's some there's obviously some bridge that needs to be uh, gapped there, whatever the expression is. Um, so like maybe maybe the interest is is helping you know juice those conversations. And I do think San Antonio and Portland and you know the Mavericks and other teams definitely have legitimate interest. But I think Zach Levine goes back to the Bulls. Um, at this point, you know things can change, but. I guess I think the biggest name that can move is DeAndre Ayton. And I, I, I wish I had more specifics. I've been trying to get them um, about the Monty Williams, DeAndre Ayton relationship, but it's something well, maybe, that I think. Maybe it's it, so bad that there aren't many specifics to get <laughs> at this point. Yeah, that's, like, yeah that might be the case. So, <laughs> I mean, and there, and there's, Maybe I shouldn't be saying it publicly, but there's also like certain rhythms to when you can poke people to get that stuff right. Like you want to maybe call them about a different subject first and you're just waiting for that to come up before you say, hey, also like, tell me about that. Um, but you know, it's it's not, doesn't seem like, you know, that clip at the finals that kind of went viral of him being like, go out there and dominate. Like that was viewed as like this great close moment between player and coach. And I don't, it's been characterized to me as the opposite of that hmm. and that maybe the go dominate is coming more from like a place of agitation and not inspiration. Um, and when the Suns brought on Bismack Biombo, I think that was a little bit before the deadline. I think it was like late January, if my memory serves correctly, there started to be some word around the league, like, Oh, the Suns are just saying that they think CP three is just so good that they can bring off a Bismack Biombo off the street. Like, why do they even have to, pay the Andre and yeah. and Jamel's worked out for them and they ha- went on a big win streak. I think they won seven straight games when uh Aiton was out. Like there was definitely some a bit like seemed like a little bit of a, a cockiness coming out. Like f- like not not to me, but they were yeah. it sounded like in conversations with other teams that was kind of the tone. Um so you know they had they didn't want to make they didn't want to give him a max 
in the fall. Yeah. That's the obvious. He's not that good. You, you want to trade for him? <laughs> that, that, that was yeah. The, that was the tone. Pretty much. <laughs> so he, he wants the max. He doesn't want to come down from that. So that's the case. If one team offers him the max, which I think seems pretty possible. Detroit gets mentioned a lot. Like Portland, it seems like he's an, another guy that Dame has interest in playing with. Um, Toronto gets mentioned. Um, you know, San Antonio has been mentioned. So if someone just decides to say, screw it, let's give him the max. I think there's a really good chance that they're going to get him. Phoenix could always come back at the 11th hour and do it and say at worst case scenario, it's an asset play. Um, but I, I do think he's the biggest name that I really do think has a chance to be playing in a different uniform. Now. Man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since 2015. And I think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners. If you've never heard it before, that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom. And there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one-size-fits-all. They found the one formula, the one mattress that was going to work for everyone. My then-girlfriend, now-wife, and I ordered that mattress. We ended up having to return it because, hey, guess what? Not everyone is the same. And then she did some more research and found Helix Sleep. We took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types. And uh, Helix offers 20 unique mattresses. Everybody sleeps differently. And Helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences. Hot or cold, side sleeper, back sleeper. So take that Helix sleep quiz. Find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door free of charge. It's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home. You're like, well, how should I order this if I can't sleep? I'm like, yeah, you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do I take my shoes off? Do I leave my shoes on? But then my feet kind of hang off the bed because I don't want to put my shoes on the bed. And is it weird that I'm laying here for more than 30 seconds? You can't tell anything under those circumstances. You might as well just order it, get it sent to your house, get that 100 night trial. They're 10 to 15 year warranty, depending on the model. And there's never been a better time to try a Helix Sleep mattress because they are offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace. Easy to slash capspace. We talk about all the time here on the program. That's helixsleep.com slash capspace. This is their best offer yet. I can attest to that since I've been working with them for nine years. And it won't last long with Helix. Better sleep starts now. Don't forget that slash capspace URL to let them know that you came from us. Man, I just love American Giant. Just an amazing clothing company. I was reminded again of how much I love it when I drove from California to Montana over the All-Star break. And you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold, particularly when it starts off warm in the bay and then we get into some really cold areas. You're like, well, I don't want to wear like my jacket in the car, but then I get out to fill gas. I'm going to be freezing, but the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm, it's not too hot as well. So I was able to wear it in the car, not be too hot, step out of the car and still be warm enough when I was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that I didn't feel like I needed my jacket, even when it was cold outside. These things are amazingly durable. I proposed to my wife wearing an American Giant hoodie in the Grand Canyon almost seven years ago. I still own that same hoodie. I still wear it constantly. And American Giant has since 
spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout please remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let him know you came from us next year i just think letting him go for nothing would be a mistake given where they are as a franchise i mean even if it is their view that hey yeah we can get bismack biombo and javale mcgee who but javale mcgee by the way is an awesome offensive center like if he didn't have to play defense he, he would be a pretty pretty valuable player but well, I yeah. also not to interrupt you, but I don't think it's—I don't think it would be for nothing. I mean, yeah. There's certainly chances like Detroit could do it. Um, I think San Antonio could easily get there money-wise. Sure. Um, but all the all the scenarios being talked about are signing trades. Like I don't think I don't. I'm not reporting this has been discussed. I don't know if Phoenix and Detroit have had this conversation yet. Yeah. But there's a lot of talking of a theoretical Jeremy Grant thing. There's a lot of talk of a theoretical Yusuf Nurkic thing. Um, and I don't know what would come back from Toronto in that situation in theory. But like, I, I don't think he would. I mean, the NBA is just in such a uh, an era of the sign and trade that it gets talked about. And like, even with, with Brunson theoretically going to New York, you you would know better than me. A, a cap guy told me that some Mitch, a Mitchell Robinson sign and trade like doesn't work. Yeah. Um, with the with the um the base the BYC. Yeah. Um, so, but like, even that idea has been like floated. Just, I think that's just a point to say that like sign and trade to just become so, so common. It's, it's, it got blown open, I think, by the KD deal with the Angelo. Um, and Boston did it a bunch over the years, but it seems like the sign and trade has like become the in vogue mechanism to, to boost your team in the offseason now. Yeah. And, and I think I just don't like, if you're a team that's potentially acquiring him, particularly a Detroit or a San Antonio, a young team that's bringing him in as a possible building block, maybe it's a little different for Portland, but to sign him to a max contract, which is that eh, seems a little rich for him, but also he's a young player, you know, maybe it's okay. And then to also give up a bunch to get him on that contract, that doesn't seem very smart to me. Um, mm-hmm. Like, but you also just, and I think uh, for restricted free agency, that the fact that all this shit is getting done, like, you know, two weeks, <laughs> months, whatever, how many days before July 1st, makes it tough for teams to just hold out and actually do a restricted free agent offer sheet because you're just, yeah. you're going to miss out on everything else. But to me, I, I just, maybe I would just try it and see whether it gets matched or not. It's just as Phoenix, I ultimately would just bite the bullet and match. And I think also as Phoenix, I would say, all right, we're, we'll make you an offer for five years at 20 million over those five years, less than the max or something like that, because they just, you, where yeah. are you going without Deandre Eaton? Because Chris Paul, isn't always going to be there, right? It, like he's not always going to be there to get you that production. And you know, Deandre is better defensively than someone like JaVale. Like he is a two way center. And the hope is that with this great mid range touch that he has, that if you have bridges mm-hmm. and Johnson and Booker and Eaton, that that's at least a good team going forward once cp declines for an all-star level or potentially leaves the franchise as soon as the next offseason so uh well two things i'll say to that one i think i think it might be a bit of a myth that like you get locked into a a sign trade and can't do anything because what david griffin did last year with the bulls 
and I know there ended up being uh, some some. Well, some well hold on, hold on. So, so you you mean you get locked into? I was talking about getting locked, like if you actually do the restricted free agent offer sheet. But so so how you're saying with respect to a sign and trade? Like how does that? Relate? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the offer sheet could be a sign and trade like mechanism, right? Yeah. And like if it's agreed upon, like if it's agreed upon that. Because wasn't the Bulls with Lonzo, that was an offer sheet, right? No, no, no. So this is actually the way it works. Once you have actually done an offer sheet, you cannot then do a sign and trade. You are, you basically, you can't bribe someone after the offer sheet to not match it. It's either you do the sign and trade beforehand or you do the offer sheet and then it's just either match or not match. No sign and trade possible after the got it. Is actually okay. Because I was because I was gonna say yeah. So whatever the I didn't know the correct order of operation. Yeah. You're you're far more smarter about this stuff than well, I. That's all right. You talked yeah, to so, that's that's the synergy here. That's why <laughs> that's why we're doing this. It podcast. is. It is because like I remember the Pelicans were able to really um like it was going to be a sign and trade, so they were able to use that like hanging in the air as a way to touch base on all these other little points last year, yeah. right? With the Devonte Graham thing. Um, so that's also I think what makes these teams appealing, the sign and trade mechanism appealing, because once it's like out there and it's like going to be an official deal, you know, people reach out all the time to say, hey, like you know, I'm a AGM in Boston, like I just want to say hey to the guy in Memphis to congratulate you on the deal. And then Memphis is like, Oh, well, you know, if you want to get in on it, well, we haven't called it in yet. Like that's actually kind of a way I think yeah. some deals get juiced sure. nowadays. The other thing I wanted to say about Aiton's valuation is like DeAndre Aiton, I think is objectively awesome, right? Like there's no one who watches the NBA on a consistent basis and doesn't think that he's just like, obviously a starting center in the NBA, probably like an objectively above average starting center. Right. Sure. And I think it's kind of unfortunate. It happens on the fan side of things and in the league too. I think it's kind of unfortunate how sometimes our opinions get exacerbated by the impact of the salary cap. Because if you don't think someone's worth their max, then you automatically have to always start arguing why he's not to people who do think he is. Like, especially if you're in Phoenix or especially if you're a team that's theoretically wanting to give him that max. So therefore in the media and as fans, like we have to think we have to kind of just uh, subconsciously talk about it in that same lens. And I feel like it makes us kind of just take hammers at people when like you're, all you're arguing is that this guy is really good. He's just not worth 30 million. It's only worth 22. Like that's, that means he's still pretty damn good, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And moreover, if you're a team like, like Andrew Wiggins is a perfect example of this, right? And I think if Aiton were to re-sign yeah. with the Suns, ostensibly a championship contender, it's the same way. Yeah, you know what? If he's one of your two best players on your team and you're expecting him to be worth a max in the sense that like he should be pushing you to being a, a second-round playoff team with a, another star just on his own, yeah, that's asking too much, right? It was asking too much of Andrew Wiggins to be a tentpole guy in Minnesota, but... He sure as hell is helping the Warriors win. And DeAndre Ayton, same thing. I think he would be helping the Suns win. Yeah. And they would be a worse team if they don't bring him back. And particularly if you're actually like willing to spend, which eh, you know we'll see in, in Phoenix what that situation is going to be. But it, like, yeah. if you're trying to win a championship, he's a good player that you don't have a way to replace at all. And just one, one last thing on him before we move on. I think you know the Lonzo sign and trade is interesting, right? Like that's one where... New Orleans just didn't really want to retain him at that price. Mm-mm. And so they 
I, I was critical of that sign and trade because they didn't really get anything back. Like they actually took back bad salary. They, I guess they thought Temple was going to help them some. And, you know, the Graham yeah. thing, he's not even the rotation in the playoffs anymore. Like he's kind of the replacement. And so they, they took back some salary that wasn't really too amazing. And they got like, what, a couple second round picks or something like that. So I think that's a different situation where New Orleans is not trying to win a championship. Phoenix is. Aiton is better, I think, than Lonzo is. And so you're just in a, a different situation where you, as Phoenix, you're not like, eh, this guy's going anyway. We'll just take, we'll get back what we can for him, whatever. You know, that, that's what a lot of these end up being. Whereas I don't think Aiton can or should be in that kind of a category. Yeah. Yeah. And one last little thing. <laughs> yeah. The CP thing of it all too is interesting too, because just like how Kyle Lowry went to Miami last year, I'm not so sure like the clock of his career is such an, uh, a threat to Phoenix continuing to be a contender because once he leaves, he's just going, he's probably like in theory, it's going to retire. Right. Yeah. So there's going to be a wide open hole for a free agent to say, I want to go there. And in the era of the sign trade, like we're talking about, like I'm not too concerned that the Suns are going to have such a, a struggle of a time to replace Chris Paul. Like obviously Chris Paul's Chris Paul, but in theory, when the next Chris Paul or Kyle Larry, the veteran point guard who wants to go to a spot to try to chase a ring, not chase, but, you know, go compete for one. I think there'll be that door will be wide open there still. Yeah, that's an interesting because Phoenix, people forget before they sucked for 10 years that it was probably one of the top five free agent destinations there was once upon a time in the 90s and uh, the first decade of this century. All right. Who else are, are you really focused in on here over this next month or so? John Collins, for sure. Um you know, there's someone I talked to today who had just spoken to Atlanta in recent days who said, that, like, John Collins is clearly the guy that they're most interested in moving. Um, and that's, you know, we've known about the difference there. I mean, it's honestly pretty similar to me to the DeAndre Ayton situation in Phoenix. Not necessarily about the Monty Williams relationship of it all, but the fact that when he was eligible for his early bird negotiation, um, you know, he wanted a max. Atlanta did not think he was worthy of the max. That was specifically, I think, um, because of defensive shortcomings. Um, and they played it out. And, you know, fortunately for John Collins, not to say, you know, he needed it, but, you know, because I, I, I'm i a very big fan of John Collins. He's honestly, to me, it reminds me of like, uh, while we're talking about Phoenix and uh, Atlanta, like, he kind of reminds me of like a modern day Amari with a three-point shot, honestly. Like he's that good to me. Um so they make the conference finals. He gets this 5-125 number that I think is going to be kind of a benchmark for the Jalen Brunson conversation we had earlier. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk. There was talk at last year's combine about this, and there's been talk around the league recently too about how Atlanta knew, and I think Travis Schlenk said it publicly too, or the owner said it publicly too, that like they kind of have a bit of buyer's remorse of running it all back to the degree that they, that they did. And I'm very prepared for Atlanta to, to make some type of big move here. Um John Collins, to me, being that they didn't, you know, they had that disparity on the contract, um, you know, back in the early bird. And I even think they fought over that last five million to get it to five one twenty five rather than five one twenty. Yeah. Um, you know, it just seems like that that marriage is bound to be coming to a close. What do you think Collins' constituency is among other teams? He's definitely been mentioned as a, a Portland trade candidate. Um, you know, I don't know from i remember talking about like how much he was worth last summer and talking about his trade stuff like he definitely has trade interest i remember san antonio was linked to him back um 
when he was struggling to get that deal done, like I feel like I can say this now. Yeah. At the time, I was I was said not to say it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. Like Excel was definitely that's Collins' agency. They were definitely saying to Atlanta, like, "We'll go get him a trade if you don't um uh, if you don't think he's worth that money." Like we know San Antonio is interested in that. Um, so that was the team that definitely came up then. That could be different now. That was you know two uh two years ago now at this point. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know Portland for sure. I've heard. And I think generally, like any team that wants a, a power forward, like Indiana, for example, has been lacking a power forward basically all this time. And part of why they broke up the Sabonis Turner pairing is that, like, just I've heard it time and again, people there just they want to have a traditional five four lineup. Yeah. And uh, Collins would, I think, I you know I haven't heard any of these conversations have happened, but Collins I think would be a pretty interesting piece there. Um, and would fit the, the 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 bill of what they're looking for. Like if if Shaden Sharp and Jaden Ivy go in some order in the top five after their presumptive top three, and like Keegan Murray's the guy there at six. Like I think he's going to be the guy there at six because of that power forward want. You know, um, so that's a spot that comes to mind for like the cost. Like I would think he's in that Jeremy Grant type of. You know, you, I think you probably got to give a first round pick to get John Collins. Someone today told me that. If Portland offered the seventh pick to Atlanta, they think he, they would do it straight oh, up. Oh, so yeah. It's like a little, yeah. Little, yeah. Post haste, I'm sure. So, and I think there's a way to make it with the Eric Bledsoe contract and that 3.99 million guarantee. That's a that's a framework that's been talked to me about as like something to look out for. I don't know if it's been discussed. So I want to be clear, but um, it's something people have pitched to me as something that they think has a really high likelihood in that. Um, and Atlanta, you know, I, I think from my under, my understanding, like it seems like they would be interested in trade and in, in getting a pick back, you know, to have a rookie scale guy who they believe in while they're paying all these people. Um, you know, that, that that's a nice little trick of the team building uh, tool chest to kind of keep your, your salary low while still paying the guys after they get rewarded. Yeah, that that's I'm interested to see. It seems like kind of younger, more rebuilding teams like I always thought he would actually be a decent fit in detroit as well uh, as someone who can play some pick and roll with uh with cade cunningham yeah. all right who, who else is on your radar screen john collins is an interesting one i'm he seems like someone where some teams are just be totally uninterested in him and others might be like hey you know 20 and 10 like pretty athletic young guy anyone who's seen our youtube videos knows that i don't wear formal stuff all the time so when it's time to dress up rather than dress down i highly recommend inochino they were the official outfitter of my wedding i got my tux from there all my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well i felt really good about having them be the outfit of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly because when you go somewhere else you're not going to get something that's made for you so why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a show room rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you and not only does indochino have the suits that made them famous but now they've got everything blazers pants women's wear outerwear designed and made for you hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from european wools linen cottons tons of colors tons of patterns you can customize things like the lapel the vents the pockets and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use the CAPSPACE. We talk about all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us. 
Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Um, but yeah, who, who else is uh, someone you're gonna be focused on here? I wrote about him this week, so I'm going to – I originally had Colin Saxton down, but I think that's kind of boring because I already said him. Um, I don't know the and, – and Malcolm Brogdon's name, I think, is obvious. Like, I think the Pete, like that's been written about left and right. I don't think me saying that's anything novel. Right. Um, I'm not, like, saying that, I, that I'm fully expecting Gordon Hayward to get traded, but I'm sure his name will come up a lot. Um, just being, being that the contract – you know, hasn't worked out on the Charlotte side of things just based off of health. And I think, you know, again, I'm not saying Gordon Hayward has requested a trade or wants to play elsewhere, but from my understanding, I don't think he would mind playing in a situation that's elevated from being a, a, a team that's been back-to-back, you know, play-in appearances. Um, he went there to be the guy on a playoff team and hasn't necessarily worked out for, you know, various circumstances. I think if, you know, there was an avenue to get him to, like, if, that's the deal that happens with Malcolm Brogdon, for example, like I wouldn't be shocked. Um, you know, I don't really know why Malcolm Brogdon makes sense in Charlotte off the top of my head, but I'm just saying like that type of, I'm prepared for him to be in that type of deal where it's an outgoing veteran for an outgoing veteran. Um, that's kind of all I'll say to endanger myself of being super aggregated here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that would, both those guys have uh, rather extensive health histories as well. Yeah. And, and Hayward, I, I think, there's a thought that Charlotte with uh, Miles Bridges and mm-hmm. his restricted free agency that they're going to now be in an uncomfortable financial situation. And uh, now, unfortunately for Charlotte, they still owe Nick Batum $9 million, which they stretched so they could afford Hayward to begin with. So he can't get <laughs> his $30 million entirely off the books. But yeah, that's an interesting one of just... I mean, he, he's another one of these guys where if healthy... Yeah, he's probably not worth $30 million, but you throw him into a, a playoff rotation, starting level of player with other talent around him where he could really help somebody potentially. And it's just a question of, I mean, to me, I think he's probably a negative value deal. So, yeah, that veteran for veteran, maybe just a reshuffling sort of a, a trade where maybe both the guys are a little bit overpaid. Uh, you know, actually, what do you think of this one? I just thought of this right now. Maybe this has been around somewhere and I'm just not – creating it myself but uh hayward for kevin love it's interesting I, the it's the thinking I mean, being he, he took they make about the same but mm-hmm. hayward goes out one more year and love might actually be a better health guy now love doesn't help their defensive issues but you know you can play on the second unit and space the floor and stuff but you know kind of more of a salary dump but still getting a good player and cleveland is just fiending for anyone who can play the three and it's more just about mm-hmm. clearing up Charlotte's books in the last year of Hayward's deal. But So Kevin Love is definitely beloved in Cleveland. And I think the fact that he had a turnaround year, not just on the court, but from my understanding and mindset too, right. like a lot of people told me Ricky Rubio when he got there said, hey man, you know, my buddy from Minnesota, let's just come off the bench together and have a blast and we'll see if we can get you sixth man of the year. And it almost happened. Right. And, you know, it seems like he's back now. Um, so for the Cavs to even entertain moving him, this is not like I haven't, cause again, haven't asked about this, but like, this is just from my understanding. I would think that they would talk to Kevin Love first before moving him anywhere. I think that's the kind of relationship that Cleveland has with him at this point. And especially after he kind of 
helped he, he helped play a major factor in the resuscitation there this year right sure um so the other thing though that, that makes it interesting is um pick and pop big for Lamelo would be pretty good i know there's some um there was some idealistic conversation in charlotte this year about like if Lamelo is you know really better with a lob guy or having pop guys um which i mean i feel like it's a conversation that gets had with every lead ball hunter that's a young guy um but also cleveland gave um gordon hayward a visit or at least even an offer sheet i think it was the charlotte offer sheet um that year he went back but i he definitely visited the Cavs because yep, they were about to but then, they, then they just signed lebron instead in the yeah end. exactly that's what yeah. i was gonna say it got impacted by lebron thing so there's definitely been interest in the past and there's a lot of people who are in cleveland now who were definitely there then um so that's why it at least makes some sense off the top of my head. But yeah, I don't know if they're going to be like, that seems like, like something I don't think would have, I don't think they would break the bridge with Kevin Love unless he wanted to go to Charlotte um, for someone like, like with, with the injury concern of Gordon, but you're right. It, it, it makes some sense for sure. Uh, all right. Who else you got in your list here? We got maybe, you know, like five, 10 minutes left here. So let's uh, maybe we can kind of rapid fire through if, if there's any other guys that you're really focused on. Um, let me actually go through my notebook because I haven't. Uh, the Dilla Gallinari is it a name I think will be on the move. Uh, yeah, I mean, it seems like yeah. more likely of just a just moving him to Oklahoma City and then they would just waive his five million dollars guaranteed and Atlanta would give up a second round pick or and some cash or something like that. That seems like the uh, like, like that's one that I proposed is that Atlanta sending him to Oklahoma City, get a trade exception, hopefully uh, not a huge one because he's not guaranteed, but Oklahoma City has this cap room before the draft, and that could be a way for OKC to use that cap room. You don't run into the problem where it's an unbalanced trade because he's because uh, it's still this league year, so you don't run into any issues there. Yeah, actually, I think Atlanta would get a would get like a $20 million trade exception from doing that because it would still be this league year and Oklahoma City has this cap mm-hmm. space that then is going to be vaporized once you go into the next league year. So that that's one that makes total sense to me that, I mean, they're not, they're, there's no way Danilo Gallinari is making $20 million on Atlanta's roster next year. It's just no chance. Yeah, yeah. Um, so whether it's trade or they waive him with, with the guarantee money, um, expect him to find a new home. Mo Bamba too. I mean, I think there's definitely a chance he sticks around. Um, but no one I've spoken to in the NBA circles uh, thinks that he is long for Orlando with the fact that they're pretty much guaranteed to be taking one of Jabari Smith or Chet Holmgren, and they've already paid Wendell Carter. Um, Franz Wagner is going to get a lot of time with the four. So um, D'Angelo Russell's name I'm interested in because I I definitely think um, that's going to be something that Minnesota explores just based off of like when you think about how to make this team better, his salary is a roadblock in that. Um, I mean, he's, he's definitely someone that I think has a lot of fans in that building. Um, but I do think they're going to look to find a new hope for him. That it might not happen though. And that's going to be a very difficult contract to move. And that's why I think that's the complications of, of talking about all this stuff and forecasting it. If that a lot of the, a lot of these conversations don't end up getting completed, right? Sure. Like teams want to move a contract and maybe they're not desperate to move the guy, but they're kind of desperate to move the contract because that's what trades are. Yeah. I remember Sam Hinkie telling me this at one point, like we all talk about players, but as kind of crude as it can be, like deals really are trading contracts for contracts. That's why these CBA crunchers like yourself and the analytics guys and the general counsel guys around the league have so much 
um, importance is because a lot of these deals can't get done unless, you know, these fit the very specific intricate puzzle pieces together. Um, so I think the Wolves will look, I think they'll definitely look, will they shop him? I don't, I don't want to go that extreme, but they're definitely going to look to see what's out there and see if it's an opportunity to make themselves better. Yeah. And perhaps, I mean, he's an expiring contract. Perhaps they're better off just waiting until next summer and letting that come off the books and, and being a team that has a, a lot of flexibility and hopefully taking a, another step forward with Anthony Edwards and Carl Towns and some of their other young yeah. pieces. I think they'd be, I think they'd be very content with him coming back for sure. Um, yeah, and he helps them in the regular season. He's just not a playoff guy at all. Is the biggest problem to me if if they're really trying to win. But they're you know they're not going to win a championship next year anyway. So I mean, look, Chris Finch did not play him for large stretches of the fourth quarter. They were pretty successful. I think there's ways to get around that, yeah. and I think they're also kind of look to add. I mean, they saw what Pat Beverly did, right? You know, Jordan McLaughlin's definitely someone that they believe in. But I think they could also even look to add more. It's just me kind of educatedly speculating. Um, I think they could definitely look to add more, you know, of a, of a sturdy backup point guard. I mean, I think Tyus Jones always gets like rumored, like, oh, what do you want to go back? Yeah. Um, like someone in that mold, I think, would definitely be on the table for them to pursue to kind of hedge their bets in the postseason that way, too. Because I, I, I mean, the conversations I've had with people in Minnesota, they're focused on not just getting better, but how to get to the next round and how to like, once you're there, even like, you know, how do you turn into Dallas, right? So that's an interesting thing when franchises really change their direction. There's a lot of there's a lot of teams in the league who don't really have a specific goal right now, right? Like the Thunder yeah. are really just trying to get the best piece they can get, right? Like even the Hawks, like the Hawks are trying to just make their roster better around Trey Young. They don't necessarily have like, I mean, sure they want to be a team that should compete for the conference finals, but they don't, like that's that's more nebulous than like Minnesota being like, look, we've got Cat, we've got Ant, we've got McDaniel's. Really like McLaughlin. Um, we, I know we've got other pieces in place, but like that's kind of our young and Vando. That's yeah. kind of like our young core that we've got. How do we and Pat Bev's definitely coming back next year? We resigned him, so how do we take that group to the next level? I mean, obviously, Power Forward has been, or you know, a real front core partner for Cat has been the thing they've been chasing, dating back to the Gerson Rosas era. That's why they're talking about Ben Simmons um, so much with Philly. I remember after he got dealt. Philly told me that Minnesota was the most aggressive team in trying to pursue him. Um, So, you know, guys like that, you know, um, I don't know how they get there contract wise. I don't know if it makes sense of the D-Lo trade, Um, but that's also probably for talking Wolves and how a deal could get done with, with Russell. That's been something that the Wolves have always been kind of targeting. There's one other guy I wanted to ask you about. And I had Tommy Shepard on the show a couple of days ago and I asked him, straight out of and i'm not surprised he didn't answer i wouldn't probably answer in his <laughs> position either but i asked him straight out like will you offer bradley beal the maximum that he can get five years 250 million or so and you know he, he didn't say that he didn't also say you know we're gonna do everything possible to bring him back you know there wasn't necessarily that level of a commitment obviously he's like oh we have a great partnership with him blah blah do you is there any smoke of bradley beal going elsewhere there's certainly smoke but it's not like some, anything i'm really giving much weight to yeah. um because i mean the teams that have been linked to him forever but they've been the same teams um you know people talk about atlanta and miami but like i i just don't see it i think the other consistent thing you always hear is that brad wants to be like a dirk of the wizards yeah. and he loves uh, it except for the whole like playoff appearances and championships thing but, <laughs> but outside of that yeah yeah so and you know the money thing is really really important too yeah and 
every single superstar and their people, they talk about it. Any chance that the Supermax is upcoming or a Max is upcoming, they always say, guess what? If we don't like it here, we can request a trade later. Right. Let's get our let's get our money now. I mean, Giannis definitely considered that before he took the Milwaukee deal. They win the title. It's kumbaya. Great, right? But that's every single every single guy has his calculus because that's just the way the league is at right now. So I fully expect Brad to take that money at this point. Again, all this stuff could change. We're so far out. I could get a call from someone tomorrow that says, hey, Bradley Beal wants out of Washington. But at this point, for the last couple of months, that has completely been the direct opposite of what I've heard. And people I've talked to around that situation really haven't left the door open. Like the Zach Levine thing, like I said, I, I don't expect him to leave. And people there are at least saying like, yeah, the door is open for him to go. Yeah. No one's even even coming close to that type of uh, verbiage when it comes to Brad. Yeah, I'm just really interested to see what the contract is going to be there and whether they do, because that would be a terrible contract, I think. And they've already gone through it with John Wall. And I'm just very, like, are they really comfortable with $50 million a year? For him and going out five years when he had a down year last year like i i mean i and if they're not starting to rack up some injuries too. yeah right right i mean if they're not comfortable with that you know if it's 40 million a year over five years like is is bradley beal okay with that you know that that's an interesting question to me and then the other thing i would say too is particularly for a guy of his stature as i noted that's going to be a really bad contract and you know it could be <laughs> a really bad contract if he just comes back and has the same year that he had last year in the first year of that deal, it's like, oh, fuck. Like, this is John Wall all over again. And it, then when once you are exceeding your production by that much, now if you're one of these guys, you don't have control over your destination. Now you become just one of those deals. You end up in, in kind of the situation where Russell Westbrook is right now, for example, or where John Wall was with that franchise. Or when CP, when he got traded to OKC, for example, like he didn't actually have you know, then he rehabbed his value, but he didn't actually have yeah. control. You know, if Kevin Love, if he had been traded, it would have been as just like a contract. It's not, you're not necessarily determining your destination. And so that's... The fairness, the, yeah. the, the counter argument, the Chris Paul thing though, is that once he rehabbed himself, he got to pretty much pick Phoenix. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, once yeah. once you're that good, then it, it's it's totally different. Um, But, yeah. you know, I'm, I mean, Bradley Beal to me is, you know, in the... Paying fifty million dollars a year for the thirtieth best player in the NBA—that's you know—that can get a little dicey, and and so we'll see. It's really going to be a, an interesting decision because it was always obvious with Beal before. Yeah, we'll pay him as much as we can. He's worth it. He's young. Now it's like, are we really doing this for a team that didn't yeah. make the playoffs last year? Are we really going here? Yeah. Right. But 30, 30 is a big number in NBA team building parlance. Yeah. All right, man. This was so fun to do this again. I learned a ton. I really appreciate it. Looking forward to having you on again. I did as well. For free agency uh, as well. And uh, you, you can follow Jake on Twitter, which is what exactly again? At Jake L. Fisher. Jake L. Fisher, yeah. All right. I mean, I, I always, I, I have you on my essential basketball list, but I just see Jake Fisher. I don't actually see the actual. Appreciate that. I don't know anyone's Twitter handles. It's like, it's like phone numbers. Like all my best friends. I don't know what their phone numbers are. There's some of my contacts. <laughs> exactly yeah i think i think i know two phone numbers i know my wife's phone number and i know the phone number that i grew up with that's actually still the same number in in evanston illinois that that's basically it at this point um there you go all right well we'll talk again <laughs> all right man thanks for having yeah me. we'll talk again in like you know two three weeks or so cool be in touch 
Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.